Hey there, thanks for listening to another episode of the Jack Eason Podcast. We are talking about the issues of loneliness, isolation, and how to overcome them with true friendship and community. For more information on these and other issues, check out Jack's website at jackeason.org. Now here's Jack. Hey guys, and my friend today is uh, Ziggy Santini. I hope I'm getting that right, who has done a lot of work. If you Google his name, and we'll talk about how to get connected with him in just a minute. Uh, Google him online and and also especially this this issue of loneliness. You'll find uh, a lot of articles and a lot of things that he has, has written. So uh, let's get after it. Hey, welcome. Thanks for connecting with us all the way across the world. Thank you. Hey, uh, what what for you got you interested? I, I mean, I came across several articles doing some uh, research and even now that uh, the book that I wrote is out, I'm still intrigued by what other people have to say for, for you what got you thinking about loneliness was that something that on your mind before uh the pandemic or was the pandemic kind of a catalyst for you to start thinking about it uh no i mean it's it's a common research uh interest of mine and uh, I, I i've always been interested in social psychology and so forth um i uh, i initially got into the whole uh academic field probably because honestly uh i was uh, i was always very influenced i feel i was always very influenced by social relationships social dynamics in my mm. upbringing and my school and my background it uh, it had such a, a huge impact on me and it's not that i'm any different than other people i think that other people are just as much influenced by the people around them so, but I, I have always been fascinated about the, the, the power of the, the social influence, the social context you're in. So it has always been something that's very, been very interesting to me. And uh, during my university studies, I did uh, a lot of research uh, and studies in, in social psychology, and then also later on uh, public health and social epidemiology, looking at uh, social context factors and uh, how they sort of can be determinants of uh, our health, especially our mental health, also uh, like mental illnesses mm. and, uh, and even physical health and mortality. Yeah. Yeah. You, you are, uh, of course, uh, just to tell people a little bit more about you, you're at the, uh, the Danish National Institute of Public Health, I believe, That's and right. uh, University of Southern Denmark. Yeah. So uh, if you're watching or you're listening and you're thinking, I don't know anybody in Denmark, now you do. Now you do. So uh, how about that? Very cool. What uh, now, uh, obviously, with the addition of the pandemic, what what are you seeing in the way of loneliness uh, and how, how are people responding? How, how are we dealing this uh, dealing with this as a culture and in, in our world? Uh, uh, what are some of the things you're seeing? All right. Well, there's, just, there's probably three things that, that are important to mention here. And one is that globally, we're seeing declines in mental health. Um, and that's, it. that's just as much in the Western world. Uh, it's uh, in Europe and it's also in the US. So just uh, yeah. uh, this pandemic is, uh, is really affecting mental health in the general population. And uh, this is affecting a lot of people. And um, so this is the first thing. And then what's important to keep in mind is that a lot of different factors can affect mental health. And uh, there's, for example, say uh, financial insecurity and economic hardship 
a lot of people are affected by this. And I know that's also especially the case in the US where uh, it's often the case that people have much less of a social safety net. So this is one factor that can influence it. Then also some people can be very affected by the, the, the media exposure because mm. every time you turn on the news, just talk about the COVID-19 every single time. You just can't ex escape it. And some people are affected by it as well. So there are many different factors associated with the pandemic that, that affects mental health. But then one factor that we can't disregard is, of course, the social factor, because this pandemic has turned our lives and especially our social lives and our daily routines upside down. Everything is different. Everything is completely away from what we are used to in our daily living. So, um, and what we are seeing in our research is that also people, a lot of people are feeling more lonely since the pandemic started. So a lot of people are feeling, um, they're feeling that they have worse mental health and we're seeing that they are also feeling more lonely mm. since the pandemic. And this is expected because, well, people have been unable to be in contact as they have before. They have uh, been unable to stay in contact with their uh, social relationships and even their close social relationships. Uh, some people have been isolated for longer periods of time. So this has, of course, has, has had an impact. And then what we can see is just that there's very strong associations between, between feeling that mental health has worsened and then feeling that there is uh, increased loneliness. All right. So we just see very strong relationships, very strong associations. So you are if you are feeling, if you are reporting loneliness, then you are also at, 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 at much higher risk of reporting worsened mental health. Mm, mm. So there's very tight links between those two. Yeah. And that and makes sense. Yes. Uh, I, I was going to say that makes a lot of sense. Yes. Yes. Doesn't it? And, uh, and um, so I've been doing research on the older population. Uh, which is uh, the 50 plus in Europe. And um, this is just to say that they are doing, uh, we can see that this has affected them in, a, in a, it has been, a, the pandemic has been detrimental for them. But there's also some research that indicates that even though it has been so for them, then uh, for this age group, then they actually seem to be maybe faring better than the mm. younger groups. So this is just to say that, that well, uh, it's, it's, it's not good for those that are, that are above 50, and it might be even worse among the younger populations, okay? Yeah. yeah. How, how, do we, how do we tackle it with what you have seen? I know, um, uh, you know you've, again, you've written a lot of articles, and we'll talk about how people can find those and, and get more information from you, but... Uh, I know some of the things that we would think would help us overcome. And of course, now we're in the midst of this pandemic, but, but even if we weren't in the midst of the pandemic, because I suspect when the pandemic is over, loneliness will still be an issue, but how, how do, what are some, I guess, some constructive ways you would recommend for people who feel lonely to kind of get out of that feeling? Yeah. Well, that's a, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? And I say that, especially because, uh, I, I, I do know a few things that I would like to talk about, but of course, uh, we're in this pandemic now, and well, none of us 
have been prepared for this because things are different now, which means that there are certain things that, that could work for us, but we can't do them at the moment because there is a risk of infection and there is uh, that, that people are worrying about getting close to other people and mm. they're trying to social distance. So how on earth are you going to socialize with others when you also try to keep distance from others? Mm. Yes, that's a very difficult thing to do. And that requires a little bit of creativity, not necessarily a lot of effort, I think, but some creativity, yeah? And the thing is that I think that some people are better able to do this on their own, whereas other people, they might need a little bit of a, a nudge, a little bit of help to be able to do that. And, uh, and I think that these people that are very affected by this pandemic might also be the ones that perhaps have less resources, psychological mm -hmm. and whatever it might be to be able to do this. So, and of course, my interest is to be able to help all of, uh, all of these people that are affected by it. And uh, some, some things that uh, of course is, is important is how can, we, how can we socialize under pandemic conditions? Mm -hmm. And uh, I would say, well, we know that spending time outdoors is good for our mental health. We know that altogether, that's in, in general, that that is something that, is, that, that, that promotes mental health. It's good for us to be in contact with nature. And we also know that uh, something like being in nature is, uh, is something that the virus does not like. <laughs> All right. <That's> right. <laughs> the, the virus is less infectious when out in nature. Okay. So that's a good opportunity to, to do something with other people because there's less risk of being infected when you're out in nature, mm, okay? Mm. And then I would encourage uh, socializing with other people, but where you can also keep the distance. And that's especially uh, ways that you can keep active with other people, but uh, preferably non-contact sports. Yeah, so that's stuff mm. like uh, tennis, that's golfing, that's kayaking, yeah? All sorts of social uh, act activities where you can be together without necessarily having to come very close to each other. Yeah, that's great. So I would very much, uh, very much encourage outside, uh, outdoor activities where you can uh, do things with other people, but while maintaining distance. Yeah, yeah? those are great. And, uh, yeah, and I think, um, and and I think that. I think that a lot of people are not aware of the importance of doing this. And this might also be why we're seeing these uh, declines in mental health, mm. because uh, uh, a lot of people might be unaware that this stuff is important to maintain good mental health. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I've been talking about is important is, uh, is something like, uh, well, in this case, we have, we have another opportunity, which is digital connections. And I'm well aware that it's just not the same with digital connections. It's just not the same when it's on a screen. Yeah. yeah. But nevertheless, it is something that can help us if we can use it in a way where we, where we sort of, uh, where we're active online with other people and, uh, and we can have sort of like a, a close personal relationship with someone online, then I think it can make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think that, uh, I mean, because it's not just physical health that is suffering during these times, but it's also to some extent uh, um, physical health. It's not just mental health that is suffering these days, but it's also physical health. And uh, so, so what could be 
a way to go might be something like uh, video games, actually. Mm. Uh, and and um, and often we when we th think of video games, then we're thinking young people. But I'm actually particularly interested in the older generations that don't usually use video games because uh, there's quite a lot of promising research that says that they can, and it can be a really good way. And especially the types of, uh, you know, Nintendo Wii type of video games where they can, where there's movement as well, where you can sort of keep active while you're playing a video game. And then if it's possible to combine this with being social with other people, uh, playing these games with other people digitally, then I think that could be a really, uh, exciting, smart, new way to keep active and also while socially connecting with other people where there's zero risk of infection. Yeah, yeah that's a fantastic idea. Yeah, so, so that's, <laughs> that, that's something that I think we should be uh, better at, uh, at, at using. And uh, I'm, I'm especially also sort of uh, interested or hoping that, that sort of policymakers, they will, they will receive some of these uh, uh, some of this advice that it's not just I don't just want this burden to be on individuals for them to do it themselves but I would uh, love to see that governments and policymakers they uh, they uh, they take this they receive this advice and then they try to, they try to do some some kind of in interventions that could be put in place to reach the people that uh, that are obviously needing uh, some stimulation to be able to do this some mm. some nudging some help some facilitation yeah yeah that's, those are thoughts. those are such great ideas especially with the older people and and of course for all of us if we're not physical uh we tend to get lethargic and then that leads to feeling bad about ourselves and then it's a downward spiral uh, so you're you're right but i've never thought about that for the older people getting yeah. physical with the, uh, with the, we, that's awesome. That's a great, that's a great idea. Let, let's assume that uh, hopefully two months from now, a uh, COVID is over. We're back to some semblance of normal. Yeah. That'd be good. That'd be a good thing. Hopefully we get there. D do you think, um, and hopefully we'll learn from all this, the importance of all the things that you're saying and talking about with connection, but do mm -hmm. you, do you think um, with the digital things and technology has that, especially for the, I know you talked about the older folks, but for the younger group, has that created a false sense of connectivity before COVID? And I have a lot of 20 some year old friends and they're like, I, I thought I was, I thought I was so connected because I have 3,400 Facebook friends and then COVID hits and it's like, okay, well, I'm really not as connected as I thought. How does, how has that played in, in your research of maybe a misconception to people about their true connections? All right. Yeah, well, uh, well, first off, I think I'd like to separate between uh, social media uh, connections and mm. then when you are uh, gaming, like video gaming, because I think there might be a difference there. Yeah. And I think that if you play video games, then there might be a chance that you have closer relationships with the people that you play with. Mm. I have often heard that people that, that play video games in, in groups, uh, they can play with people from other countries and they actually know them quite well. Mm. So you can sort of develop quite a personal relationship with someone that you play video games with. Now, this is not really part of my research, so I can't say this for sure, but this is, uh, this is what I imagine it might, might be happening. Whereas social media is a whole different thing because uh, I think, well, most of, the, most of the time, for most people, social media is just not really very social. Yeah? Yeah. 
it's uh, it's very it's 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 all about self-promotion and people are using it in a way of promoting themselves and there's not really much social going on it's not really succeeding in connecting people so it can be okay but the, as far as i could tell from um, from scientific reviews is that sometimes it's beneficial to mental health but it's beneficial only when people use it in a way to maintain quality relationships or to establish new relationships that become personal mm. relationships yeah then it's beneficial to mental health but if they're not if they're using it in different ways then it doesn't appear to be benefiting mental health and sometimes it might even be detrimental mm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah so if you really want to use social media then you have to be social about it otherwise it might not benefit you <laughs> yeah okay that makes sense doesn't it <laughs> i think so <laughs> most but of the time they, our our social media engagement is just one way it's throwing out our thoughts and but right. there's no interaction so you're you're exactly right that's yes. that's good yes well i think i i just read today uh a quote from, from plato i think he said that uh, opinion is the lowest form of knowledge because it requires no effort and no understanding mm. anyone can make up an opinion yeah but the highest form of the of knowledge is empathy because it requires that you put yourself in another person's shoes mm. so Again, I didn't say that Plato said it, <laughs> but it's, I think it's very, very intelligent. Yeah? But uh, in general, what we know from 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 research is that uh, being oriented uh, inwards against, like being uh, thinking about ourselves, is generally not very beneficial to mental health. Um, it's a uh, there's there's only a few exceptions where it's it's it can be sort of like a, a benefit to think inwards and the first thing is sort of like uh to find peace and calm so and that can be sort of like uh uh taking time to to reset yourself to to um for example to to breathe some people, they use certain mindfulness and meditation techniques to sort of reset themselves. And in that case, it can be beneficial to think inwards, yeah, to think mm. about yourself or whatever it might be. The second thing is uh, if self-reflection, to, to, to reflect on who you are and what you're doing in order to improve your situation and in, in order to develop, yeah, yeah. And and maybe in the first case, just to 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 get a clear view of who you are. A lot of people they they don't they might live in a in a in a with a false idea of who they actually are. So just something as simple as uh, taking a look at yourself, take a look in the mirror, and figure out who you are. Then mm. that, that can be beneficial, and of course also with the with the purpose of of some personal development. Mm. And the last thing, the the third way that it can benefit to look inwards is through gratitude yeah to think about what you can be thankful for mm, yeah mm, yes and uh, and that is something that we these three things we know that they are some some things that can benefit mental health yeah. but apart from these things most other things they do not benefit us when we think about ourselves when we focus on ourselves when we try to promote ourselves 
then it's usually better for us, for our mental health, to think outwards in mm. terms of what difference can we make mm. to others around us? Uh, how can I make a difference to someone or something? Or how can I somehow contribute to the community around me yeah. or the world I'm living in? That is something that we know can can really benefit mental health. Do yeah. you? Yeah, that's great. Do you think? Uh, obviously, I I don't know a lot about Denmark. Uh, I'm I'm intrigued by Denmark, and that's uh, that's on my bucket list of one day getting to come visit. But um, I've been to I don't know probably a dozen other countries on the on the planet, and I, I know at least in the United States, it seems like um, what you were talking about with. Um, inward reflection and meditation and spirituality and those things, it seems like that young demographic that is extremely affected with loneliness, at least in the U S they're they're they've kind of, um, they've rejected that spirituality and the things that you mentioned are, are an outlet to get better. Um, I guess, and, and you probably can't project or, or, or guesstimate why that's the case in the U.S., but are, are you seeing that in Denmark? Why do you think that age group has said that's not an option for me? Uh, and what, what are we missing there? Because I, I agree with you. I think that some of those things you mentioned are so, so very important. Yeah. Well, I can't say exactly why. So I, 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 do, I, I do want to say that I think that, that Denmark is probably a lot more atheistic than than and then in the US, yeah, mm -hmm. and and sometimes a lot more uncomfortable talking about God and spirituality than Americans. Um, so, uh, and 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 why has this occurred? There must be a million reasons why. Uh, but uh, obviously, I would say it's a failure of the church mm. <laughs> to uh, to reach people. And sometimes, what happens in Denmark is that uh, that young people they they turn to other religions. Because the thing is that uh, that a lot of young people are actually still searching for for some sense of meaning, something deeper. Uh, this is this is a basic need for a lot of people to find something deeper. So um, a lot of them are searching, and then sometimes they turn to other religions that are not really native <laughs> to Denmark. Um, and and by that I mean they might turn to Islam or Hinduism or Buddhism or whatever it might be. Uh, to find answers yeah yeah so but i would say that the need is definitely there um i can't speak for everyone of course but uh, i think a lot of people are walking around with the need and uh, and then of course they're in a situation where they don't find uh what they're looking for and then they're also constantly being being uh fed by this culture where you have to learn to self-promote yeah, we're mm -hmm. living mm -hmm. in an age of self-promotion, and this is basically doing the exact opposite <laughs> from what religion tries to do. Uh, religion, in religion, uh, you try to make, you, you try to become smaller so that whatever spiritual thing you're believing in can become bigger and mm -hmm. and and have more weight. Uh, but in in this age, then uh, everything is about making yourself bigger. Yeah. Yes. You have to be the most popular. You have to be the one that uh, that has the most significance that everyone is looking to. You have to have the most followers and everything. And, and young people, they learn this from very early on. And then something else that is quite interesting that you might not know is that there's actually research to suggest that 
self-centeredness and loneliness, they tend to reinforce each other over time. Wow. So wow. they're actually quite strongly linked. Wow. Yeah. And uh, that's a problem hmm. because uh, that means that it's not just that uh, people feel lonely and then they become more self-centered, but it's also when people become more self-centered. Well, what happens when you become a more self-centered person, then it's more difficult to find friends, isn't it? Mm, yeah. And then people can become lonely. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I once saw it uh, on, a, on a sign and I think it's worth mentioning here and it's not something that's particularly brilliant, but at the same time, it has, uh, it really speaks volumes and it's just this. Your ego is not your amigo. All right. Did mm. you get that? Mm. Your ego is not your amigo. All right. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was funny. So that's awesome. I do too. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but uh, anyways, um, I do like to, to just mention something that is, that I think is quite important. And uh, this is about what can actually be done in practice. Uh, so I work in mental health promotion. And uh, the reason I want to say this is also because it's actually quite close to you. Mm. Because uh, in your neighboring state, in North Carolina, there's a university there called Elon University that you are probably aware of. Yes. And they have implemented a mental health promotion program called the Act, Belong, Commit. All right. And I know this because uh, we have the same campaign in Denmark. And uh, I have been there and, and uh, collaborating with them on this mental health promotion campaign. Oh, wow. And they have implemented this program in order to, to promote and enhance mental health among their students. And uh, this is a, is a very simple campaign with very simple principles about what people can actually do themselves mm. to enhance and strengthen their own mental health. And we call it the ABCs of mental health. Mm. And the ABC is because it's the act, belong, commit. And uh, there are just three very simple principles, very simple practical principles about what you can do yourself. The first one is act. It means that you keep active in various ways, physically, but also mentally, and also spiritually, and also socially. Yeah, you keep mm -hmm. active because we know that these things, they are important for our mental health. Just feeling active is something that we associate with good mental health. The next one is belong. And that means that you, you keep in contact with your close social relationships. And you also try to establish new ones when you have a chance. When you find new potential mates, then you, you, you reach out and uh, you try to establish new relationships. Mm. And then the last one is commit. And that means that you commit to some courses uh, that are meaningful or some some challenges that can give you a sense of meaning yeah uh, so how might this look this, this might look like that, uh, that that you simply find ways to keep active in your daily living yeah it can be through sports it can be through mm. an interest yeah it can be a spiritual activity yeah it can also be something that requires concentration and it can also be spiritual activities yeah it can be religion too mm. And the next thing is that you, uh, you make sure that you, you stay connected with other people because we know that this is fundamental for your mental health. And the last thing is that you commit to something that gives you a sense of meaning. It doesn't have to be a lot. 
but just at least one thing that gives you a sense of meaning. And for some people, it might be learning to play on your instrument and then going all the way, yeah? Then continuing yeah. and persevering. And to others, it might mean that you become a volunteer in an organization where you, where you contribute to society and you engage in something where you can make a difference to someone else or something else in the world. Yeah? Mm. Uh, just something that you can commit to and that where, where you feel that you can make a difference either to yourself, it's okay if it's about learning a skill or something that is uh, outwardly oriented where it, it's some kind of contribution to your community. Yeah? yeah. So that's the, the act belong commit, the ABCs of mental health. And again, they have this implemented at the Elon University, where they're doing uh, quite a lot of promising work with that as well. That's and I'm fantastic. To see that spread in the U.S. because uh, personally, I think it's it's quite a simple. It's it's an ABC. It's easy yeah. to remember. Act, belong, commit. After you said it a few times, then uh, you remember it. Yeah. yeah? And uh, the thing is that what we know from research is that a lot of people they. Uh, well, they intuitively know what they can do. If we ask them what is important in mental health, then they will mention some of these things. But the mm. problem is that a lot of people, they simply forget to prioritize it in their lives. Yeah. And they think of whatever they might have, like hobbies, they think of them as just something that they might do uh, because they're interested in it, but they don't think of them as something that's actually important for their mental health. Wow. Yeah. Wow. For example, if you go to if, if you're if you're uh, if you're joining a, a tennis club and you go there for a while, then you might think of it as something that you're just doing once in a while. But you're not thinking of it as something that is actually important for you to maintain good mental health. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. as soon as people are pressed and stressed and they have a little time, then these things are the first to go and then they stop going. Yeah. Yeah. Or then they drop the tennis and then they go to a gym instead and then they send there alone and just uh, push the weights or whatever it might be. Yeah. But we know this is actually not so good because these things going to a group sport or whatever it might be, it's it's really good for mental health. Yeah. And yeah, something yeah. that can be uh, a factor for resilience later on when you start to have the, if you if you have some challenges in life, then you have, for example, a network of people where you can talk to them. And sometimes it's also just going somewhere and being active that gets you out of your mind and focused on some activity. And mm -hmm. then things are a little bit lighter. Yeah. So these things can be really important, but a lot of people, they don't think of them that way. So our mission is simply to remind people, make them aware that there are certain things that they can actually do themselves to maintain yes. their mental health. Yes. Yeah. You're not at the mercy of a doctor or a psychiatrist or a therapist, yeah. uh, but there's actually things that you can implement in your own life that can mm -hmm. really make a difference. Yeah. That's what we're all about. That's right. Wow. That is, so, so this is a, this is a concept that you started the Ag Belong Commit? Start, I don't want to take the credit for it, but I have been working on it. And, and, and my, my colleagues over at Elon university, they have also worked very hard on it recently. Uh, they, they implemented it recently in, in last year, two years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, but, uh, but it, it originates in, in Australia with, uh, with a, with a professor of mine called, uh, Rob Donovan. Mm -hmm. And uh, he came up with this concept with his, uh, with his, with his colleagues. And then it's just taken off because, uh, well, it's, it's become immensely popular because, yeah. because of its simplicity yes. And, yes. and practicality.
Yeah, I, I love that. What what do you know what the status is for Elon to help get that promoted to other universities and colleges in America? Um, well, I mean, they they are they have implemented it for the sake of their students. Mm-hmm. So they have sort of the they have they have been the pioneers in in the U.S. to take this step to sort of uh, take care of their students' mental health, mm-hmm. and also and this is this is very important because uh, across western societies we also see that uh, especially students there's there's a decline in mental health so students don't have uh, as good mental health and well-being as as they did previously yes so they are vulnerable population and uh, and you want to take care of that so they have taken this step of implementing this program at uh, at elon and of course, there are also there are other universities in the U.S. where they have used other programs to do something similar. Mm-hmm. But the Elon University is the first one to to implement this Act Belong Commit program. Wow! Yeah, that's yeah. I, I'm so glad you shared that because I I will reach out to them as well because that's very uh, intriguing. And I was kind of pulling up something while you were talking, just looking that they have a um, director of campus recreation and wellness. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know if that is um, is, a, is a normal thing for universities and college campuses. It should it should be. It wasn't when I was in college, but that's been a long time ago. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but to have a director of wellness, professor of exercise science, uh, people you probably served with when you had the uh, mental health summit there. But um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you want to get in touch with Eric Hall or Carolyn Ketchman. Okay. Carolyn Ketchman. And uh they should be able to tell you a lot more about how they're doing it at university. Awesome. But then, of course, I mean, they are they are interested in 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 getting this, uh, um, really getting getting students involved and active at their university. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, if other ones if others want to follow follow suit and uh, and adopt it as well, that's that's great. Yeah. But as far as they're concerned, they are they are interested in in implementing it among their students and also then in, in the community surrounding their university to uh, to create the the best conditions for mental health and well-being yeah. where wow. they are yeah ziggy I, i've taken way more of your time than i intended to thank you very very much uh, great well, information and uh, you, you have my brain thinking which is always a good thing uh so th- any last things that you wanted to share that i i didn't ask about uh, no, I think I think we uh, we covered uh, quite a lot. I mean, it's possible to talk on hours for, for about these things, but uh, but I think we we covered the the, the important parts. And uh, I wish you uh, good luck in uh, in the U.S. and in mm. your state, and also in your work. I think it's wonderful that you're doing this thing, and uh, I uh, I would love to uh, to keep in touch. Yeah, and, same here. Uh, yeah. I, I will uh, I will make sure to get you. I don't know if uh, Lauren sent you a, a PDF copy of uh, uh, the book. I'd love your feedback and, and any other ideas as we as we uh, work on this this idea of combating I'm very loneliness. Excited about your book and it looks very interesting and uh, I look forward to reading it. Yeah, great, great. Hey, if people want to get in touch with you real quick before we let you go, what's the best way to to reach out if they wanted to follow up with a question or or find out more about what you're doing? Wow. Google me. Uh, my email is pretty easy to find online. Uh, and if nothing else, you can find me on LinkedIn and Twitter. So it uh, should be pretty easy to to locate me. Great. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for your time and uh, grateful to be able to spend a little bit with you today. Thank you. All right. Take care. Take care. Ciao.
Thanks for listening to another episode of the Jack Eason Podcast. Be sure to check out the website for blogs, videos, and more help on the issues of loneliness, friendship, and community. To get updates on the release of Jack's new book from Ravel Publishing, sign up for an email alert at jackeason.org.